From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeley. All right, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast. It is great to have all of you listening. Uh, I am co-hosting today with Robert Carter. How are you doing, Robert? Hello, doing well, excited to be here. Yes, and we have a very special guest, which you all know because it's probably in the title that you read when you pushed play, but it is Ryan Rail. How is it going, Ryan? Uh, it's going okay. Hi. <laughs> he's he's uh, not the most excited about this, which is fine. If you don't know Ryan, Ryan is the guy that when you come to church, he is in the back of the room, uh, typically uh, in the in the sound booth. He is our your your actual title is technical arts coordinator, I believe. Yeah, uh, my uh, boss Trevor Barons and I made that up about thirty minutes, thirty <laughs> seconds before I was announced to the church staff. Okay, okay, perfect, perfect. Technical. I think everybody's like something in that whole department is something arts coordinator. Or yeah, something. I think yeah. I was the one that started that. I was like, oh. I'm technical, and people like the word arts, and Trevor's like, coordinator is the right level for you, and technical arts coordinator. There you go, and so it begins. So, hey, Ryan, like we like to ask everybody, what is your Calvary origin story? Uh, my Calvary origin story is uh, I was moving to Orange County for work, and I was already working at a church, but was looking to attend a church closer to where I lived. And a friend of mine who worked at Biola saw a newspaper ad for Calvary looking for tech help and showed it to me, and I applied. And we had a newspaper ad at Biola's newspaper. At, oh, at Biola's newspaper. Not like a real when newspaper. When do we have newspapers <laughs> at all? How old are you? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Ryan is from yesteryear. I, I believe it was actually a paper <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. The Chimes is what it's actually called, the Biola newspaper. Yeah. Since I'm that a was, Biola grad, that was twelve and a half years ago. <laughs> twelve and a half years ago. Okay, that's amazing. So, what'd you do when you started here? Like, because it's a little. You know, more limited, right, to then what you're doing now. Uh, when I started, I was part-time, 20 hours a week. So my job was basically to do Sunday mornings. Um, so what uh, do you mean, do Sunday mornings? So uh, my job is not necessarily to do sound, but it is to make sure everything works, train volunteers, uh, be present for troubleshooting. I do mix. I also do lighting. I also run video sometimes, just whatever's needed. And then the rest of my time when I first started was doing maintenance on equipment, basically. Oh, okay. Okay. So fixing up our gear, right? Um, everything going. Yeah. Yeah. So the sound man at a church is often uh, one of the more, I think it's a, one of the hardest jobs in a church, right? Because I think you can... Misunderstood. <laughs> right? Lonely. Yeah. Anytime. How often do you see from the back if something goes wrong, just people's heads turn around and look at you? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, it happens sometimes. Okay. I've learned not to look anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, I'm usually uh, moving by that point to figure out how to fix it. So Yeah, um, that's true. What are some common like sound things that go wrong that people may not know about or it happens so fast that they don't even realize it? Or what are some things that you run into on a Sunday morning? Uh, by the time we actually get the service, we don't tend to have a lot of tech issues on Sunday mornings, thankfully, anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but it's things like people maybe doing, going to do announcements and they grab the wrong mic. Mm -hmm. So it's like unmuted or the wrong volumes. Like we have two people talking with handhelds. We check beforehand, but then they switch mics and then so it's not set correctly and yeah. just basic stuff like that. Um, some of the more frustrating stuff is when you have people, not so much on Sunday mornings, but like say 
weddings or memorials or someone who's not used to talking on a mic and they're scared of it mm-hmm. and they hold it like two feet away from their <laughs> mouth and and then you turn it way up and then they and then for some reason at that point then they pull it close to their mouth yeah. right <laughs> After you turn and it then people up. look at you and are like why can't we hear them and i'm like because they're not talking into the microphone um <laughs> that's true and, um, my favorite is when the microphone is kind of like a um it's like a object lesson for them to like kind of they're they're using yeah, hand like a motions baton a baton yeah yes <laughs> and you say no 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 there's a whole point for that device right yep it should go for everyone listening if you ever talk on a microphone <laughs> put it about one inch away from, away from your chin point it out your mouth and don't move it okay. that's very valuable information it is that will make you seem like the smartest person in the room if you know how to use a microphone every sound guy will like you if you do that there so. you go there you go what are the let's talk about the things that I do that frustrate you. <laughs> <laughs> Is you, do we have enough time? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm not coming up with anything good right now. Oh, uh, see? I like that. That's yeah, good. Well-oiled machine. Well, I, I actually have been trained by you, so that's a, you know, a bit of a thing, I think. Yeah, you're one of my, like, as far as like speaking pastors go, you're one of my favorite because you do everything technically correct. Ooh. So. Technically, <laughs> correct. technically correct. Technically correct. It doesn't mean it's moving or biblically Emotionally correct. Yeah. Or... <laughs> you show up on time. You rehearse. You finish on time. There you go. You give me back your microphone when you're done. Don't go home with it and wash it. <laughs> wash the machine. Wow, that's really happened? Uh, someone's wa- the clickers have been washed. Oh, the clickers have been oh, washed. That's amazing. Gosh. And those were discontinued about four years ago. So I'm trying to keep what? them alive. Wow, yeah. Like the replacement's like $1,000. Oh my goodness. Like the new thing that isn't discontinued. Yes. Okay, so talk, talk to us about like, uh, you know, what time do you get here on a Sunday morning? Just for people to understand some of that. If service starts at 9.30. So I typically get here at 5.30 in the morning. Wow. Um, because Jeez. we start sound check at 6.45. Because we do, like the band does a full rehearsal of all music beforehand. And then we do a full run through of the entire service beforehand. Mm-hmm. And nothing is set up. So we clear our entire stage every week. So we have to bring out all the mics, all the stands, drums, everything basically so okay and actually we actually have two volunteer sound guys uh roger stone and sean dawson who also will show up at 5 30 on a sunday morning yeah and don't get paid right wow. and set all that stuff up yeah which wow. is pretty awesome and pretty great that we have a couple people that can because that's a big room that's a big system that's not just an easy thing to do right right yeah i mean it, it's a yeah it's a big room it's a pretty complex system so but a lot of my work has been trying to streamline things so that way it's easy and we can pull off like a complex sunday morning with all volunteers without too yeah. much issues so then how long does it take you to sort of be able to strike the stage to be done you know what time do you typically leave on a sunday it's not is that not that bad uh it depends but uh typically takes i'm usually finished up about eleven forty-five. Okay, so even even like before that sort of next service is tech, like that Sunday school hour that we have, you know, the small group hour is over. Yeah, I usually have like 10, 15 minutes before my wife uh, leads a high school small group. So I yep. get to do a few little other random things before I meet her when we go to lunch. There you go. Because nice. there's even, because there, there's a, like a expression for that, right? Like Because there's even a conference called, is it Philo or Philo? How is yeah, that? Philo. Yeah. It stands for first, first one in, last one out. Yeah, and that's yeah. yeah, first one and last one out. That's your your people, right? Or yes. always, <laughs> it's always fun walking into an empty parking lot and leaving to an empty parking lot. Oh my yeah, goodness. yeah. No wow. idea what I, I kind of have a little bit of that sense of like, what's really you know, how's this parking lot feel? I don't know if I've ever really actually seen that happen. Yeah, I took Robert a Sunday has. off once back when we had two services, and I showed up for second service, and I was like, wow, there's so many cars driving around. And that was like <laughs> six years into me working at Calvary. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, now, okay. Let's talk about the, the other thing I think that you get sort of uh, 
you know, you, you can get hassled about as a, as a sound person at a church is volume, right? Volume is the thing. <laughs> and, uh, like, and I'm sure it's always, I'm sure, I know it's a universal thing at all churches, like yes. people having issues with volume. Some people want it louder. Some people want it quieter. And, you know, you're stuck in the middle of all of that. What do you have any kind of like science or philosophy or kind of thoughts about like why you do what you think is what's best for our church? Uh, yeah. Um, so just to throw out numbers is we run out, run at about 85 to 90 decibels a weighted, which is an important thing. Uh, but if you want to whip out your smartphone meter, set it to a weighted so you can reference to us just to give you an idea. Actually, when Calvary opened the worship center, a former sound guy told me he used to run about 95 DB every Sunday or louder. And that was with uh, like a full choir orchestra kind of style, yeah, right? So, so yeah, so back in 91, we used to run louder than we do now, actually. Okay. Wow. Um, but basically, our volume is based off of, um, A, first foremost, I know how loud it can be and for how long to, to basically, we know how long and how loud before it will cause hearing damage, so we make sure we're always under that. In fact, we have to make sure that it's not under that just for service, but for, say, the sound guy who is there for sound check. We would do every song twice and then do service. So that's much longer mm. time, and it's well within ranges for that. But then besides, so first off, make sure it's safe. But then second off, it's uh, basically just whatever feels right. So we like to have enough volume where it doesn't feel quiet or empty, where you feel like you can sing and not be heard individually. So if someone is self-conscious about their own voice or you know, things along that lines, but also not so loud that uh, you can't hear the congregation sing. So okay. that's mostly what we're basing it off of is, so if everyone in the room is singing, because basically if everyone in the room actually sings clearly, it is actually far louder. We've had some worship conferences in the worship center and measured near 100 decibels acapella, acapella. singing from wow. The audience. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And and ours is. Would you say it again? It's we run between eighty five and ninety. Eighty five and, and ninety. Ten dB is twice as loud or half as loud. Okay. Okay. So VBS, the kids scream at about one hundred five, one hundred eight. Oh my god! <laughs> the that's music isn't that loud, but the kids are that loud. The kids screaming. I know. The kids screaming gets intense. I've been on stage instigating those screams, it's which is typically what I do. And it sometimes I'm just like. That actually, that actually really does hurt. Yeah, what actually helps is scream yourself. It doesn't seem as loud then. Oh, interesting. What? There you go. I know. I can't scream anymore, though, since I'm damaged now, my <laughs> chronic laryngitis. But, uh, okay, so that's interesting. Now, what kind of, uh, you know, we don't want to name names or, or we're not ridiculing anyone with any of this. But, like, you get some complaints about this kind of stuff, though, huh? Oh, yeah. We definitely <laughs> uh, get complaints. Um, and we have a full, have a, if, if you... Email and complain. You can get a full page letter that explains how we measure and what we determine and everything. We have a, a calibrated meter in the tech booth, and we've also measured all throughout the room to make sure it's even. Um, but it's just perception of volume is very relative, and not even from person to person, but the same person on different days can perceive volume completely differently. Yep. So that's even a part of why wow. we use a meter. I did not know that is because the sound guy mixing, you can't just rely on him knowing how loud it is innately. Mm -hmm. Like things like such as if you are tired, things will actually be quieter to you. So mm. if I don't get enough sleep Saturday night, I will mix louder. Okay. Um, things such as, um, wow. like the thing I always point out to people is just if your favorite song in life, you can play as loud as you want to the point that your ears are bleeding and you probably won't really notice it. Yeah. But if you play like, you know, 
some music that you think is ter- like if you're not a fan of country or you're not a fan of rock and roll or whatever it is you play that and at very low volumes it'll start hurting your ears mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so sometimes pretty much as much as possible when we get noise complaints we try to engage in a conversation and we start with basic things like where are you sitting like do you wear hearing aids do you have like there's a lot of different things down the list that can affect that but almost always universally it usually breaks down to more of a a style or a situation than the actual volume okay because we just our volume does not change week to week yeah and it has not changed significantly in the entire time i've been at calvary right we used to run louder for when we had celebration elevation we'd run louder for elevation but when we combined one service we picked the volume that celebration ran at okay because it's easier to deal with going down in volume than it is to go up in volume yeah Um, but so usually like honestly when we have a younger worship leader we get more noise complaints even if it's not actually technically louder okay yeah because <laughs> it's perceptions right yeah perspe- right. perceptions and preferences and yeah. the the loudest uh, church service i've ever been to at calvary was actually a sing sunday in samzik chapel and it peaked out at 103 whoa wow with the pipe organ <laughs> yeah pipe organs can get super loud right exactly yeah. yeah so i mean how does how do these numbers compare to like things in the in wilderness concerts and cars or things like that like what what's loud how, how loud are concerts run in and stuff like that uh so like a, a concert can be anywhere usually they're typically anywhere from like 105 to 115 for like a rock concert wow. like when we have uh tours come through calvary yep. usually it's at least like 105 and up to like 110 okay uh 115 gets pretty uncomfortable for almost everybody um right. But, but to give an idea, like we run 85 to 90, if you just go out on Tustin Avenue when there's heavy traffic and stand on the sidewalk, it's about 80 to 85. Okay. So like you drive down the highway with your windows down, it's pretty close to Sunday morning worship. Okay. And if a tree falls in the forest, but no one was there? <laughs> 70. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to set my meter out there. All right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, now, okay. So. Your job is very interesting because, and it has sort of morphed over time based on your skill set, I think, right? And what he's interested in. And what you're interested <laughs> in. It's been, yeah, it's changed on that. It's also changed on just what Calvary's doing at the time. Like, when I first got hired at Calvary, my job was almost entirely fixing things. Uh-huh. And then, essentially, I fixed everything eventually. <laughs> like, yeah. kind of caught up on that. And then we started doing a lot more um, stuff in the worship center, like artistic stuff, with, like sets and sermon illustrations and things like that. So uh, I'm just... In, I enjoy making things like working, working with wood, painting, finishing, doing anything like that. Uh, so doing stuff like that. But then my job totally converted again when we started the um, restoration project and I spent basically multiple years, um, putting AV in the nurseries when we installed them, putting audio visual in the chapel and then in Felsch Paul and then into the underground. And yeah, yeah, that was a lot of, and how do you get these skill sets or whatever? Um, so, through all different ways, like a lot of like my basic mechanical knowledge of like, this is how you use a drill. This is how you use a circular saw was right. from my dad actually, who did construction in his younger life. But there's also been a lot of different, just um, older men in my life that I've learned different things from. Like yeah. I had a, when I was in high school, I decided to build my first speaker cabinet and a older guy in the, my church 
had a table saw and he let me use it and showed me how to use it and taught me like basic joinery basically. Wow. Um, I have, hmm. there's uh, Did you already know the electronics kind of stuff or when did you start working on that? You know, uh, when I first started uh, doing sound, it was just for my youth group because the sound guy couldn't uh, be there for a couple of weeks because of, of his job. Um, and I just took all the manuals home and read them. <laughs> wow. The I'm only here. one ever. That's yeah, so good. Because <laughs> I'm really boring like that sometimes. But uh, yeah, but they teach you all the basics and all that. So yeah. And then just problem solving, troubleshooting. I've always been good at that. Yeah. Um, just figuring out how it works. Like, um, I think my dad again did a great service for me and that when i was a kid and i would ask like why or how something worked he would actually try to answer it instead of just giving me an answer mm -hmm. to me to stop yeah. asking <laughs> right right so. well that's even like a life lesson for people then is like how can you be that what your dad was for you to others how can people be that right so if somebody's asking you a question don't just give them some pat lame answer or a kid right, right? or if he didn't know the answer he would tell me like well what do you think like and then discuss mm. it with me and try to like work it out essentially yeah yeah and then nowadays it feels like you teach yourself how to do anything via youtube right yeah youtube or google in general just yep. anything that you want to know exists on the internet now it's a dangerous thing because there's also lots of wrong information on the internet uh -huh. um, like you just google any bible verse you can find all kinds of heresy <laughs> That's true. but you can also find some great teachings on that too. yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah what <laughs> so, do you so so how how do you okay in a not in a biblical sense obviously but like more in uh how do you when you're going to build something or create something like how do you go about filtering the internet sources you know i mean honestly in a lot of ways i'll just google something uh, open the first five links in new tabs and mm -hmm. kind of scan over them and you can pretty quickly figure out which one seems to know what it's talking about and which ones are agreeing and then start working off of that. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Sounds like a biblical scholar. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, compare the sources and <laughs> find out where the literature is heading and there you go. I mean, Robert is onto something there because that is a thing that I, I try to be aware of when I'm re in reading commentaries or, you know, whether that's just in book form or online and try to like have a sense of what are these support, who supports these sources, how are, you know, how are they agreeing with other sources? I have sources that I already know that I trust, you know, and so then trying to kind of like filter through that that way. Yeah, I mean, and half of it is I come up with a very specific problem that um, I need to Google and find the answer to, but I also, I watch a lot of YouTube, strangely, which is not a normal thing for, I think, some of my age. Obviously, it's more of a younger thing, but there's these guys that were, like, say, a machinist or an electrician or a carpenter that work their entire lives learning a skill, and then they look for a hobby in retirement, and their hobby becomes YouTube, and hmm. they just make videos showing you all the things that they spent the last 30 years learning how to do. Wow. Yeah. And so I just watch those, and it'll bring up things I just didn't even know to ask the question about in the first place. Right. And it's just like, lead me in a new direction, new ideas, brings up, which then just brings up more questions. And, but a lot of my stuff is just, I get a problem. Trevor comes to me, Trevor Barron's our communications and worship arts and creative arts pastor, um, and basically says, we need to do this thing. Can you figure that out? And then I start figuring it out. <laughs> Have you felt like that your whole life? Like, here's a problem. I'm going to go figure out how to do it. Or is that something that's been more unique here at Calvary? Um, no, uh, like even like a cool part about my job at Calvary is a pretty good portion of what I do is kind of self-driven. Like I self-identify the problems or think of something new or whatever it is and start working towards it. Um, but even 
at my home church, I would do the same thing because it's just I when you're doing sound every week, you're doing the same thing every week. And it's like right. it's makes sense to try to figure out how do you do that quicker? How do you do that easier? How do you make it simpler so then you can do something better? Like if you're spending all your time just doing what the status quo, then you'll never be able to change. But if you can make it easier, then you can move on, advance, do better things. So um, that's even just like a, we in the past couple of years have redone a lot of the sound in the worship center and a lot of that just made set up and tear down faster and easier and made it easier for band members just to play and hear. So it's like we did electronic drums, we did all in-ears and all these things remove issues like too much stage noise, drummer playing too loud, guitar amp not sounding right. And it allows the band just to focus on rehearsing and playing and leading worship well instead of fixing technical issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's, pers like as a member of Calvary, that's personally encouraging that, that that's like tithe money hard at work, right? Like mm -hmm. I love watching you do your job and taking things and making them better and kind of making the dollars that you're giving go so much farther than, you know, other situations might be. Um, it's really encouraging that you're incentivizing and, 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 you know, really finding ways to make things better and not just letting them stay at the status quo, but making things better and making our whole church function better is amazing. Yeah. I think, uh, like churches, Calvary's kind of in like a weird position cause it's like, like a small mega church basically like it's not a normal church but it's also not like one of these big huge churches that has some celebrity pastor that some money's just flowing like whatever right. like and so like a lot of churches our size are a little bigger are like paying their musicians and they have professionals that are gigging on saturday night friday mm -hmm. night and then so they show up they know exactly what to do but we don't we just have people like we have a lot of high schoolers because they like playing <laughs> in high school ministry and then they move yeah. like and they graduate and they go to college they play for us so i just i think that's really cool because it's basically our church leading our church instead of like hiring people to come in from outside so i want to make sure that we're able to do that as well as possible yeah that's so. awesome i agree and i love that that you and, and that we're able to do some stuff with sort of like with artistic things and design elements but that you you help create them and we they're created in-house so it's probably like a huge, you know, savings compared to paying some firm to, right. you know, kind of create something or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like definitely things like that doing it. Yeah. Creating art pieces, like commissioning that is very expensive. Um, yep. I mean, and also just like when we did the restoration project, being able to do, uh, yeah. Talk about your AV down in the underground. Like what was the price kind of rollout comparative to what it would have been? Yeah. So like what we got in Fellowship Hall, like, and the chapel and the underground, if you were to just like, that's part of it, A, me installing it myself. We also had um, like- uh, Wait, wait, it, building it and installing it yourself. Well, yeah, like, well- <laughs> And we're talking about speakers. So some stuff was installed, video. like it's, bo it's both installing it ourselves in house, also having uh, volunteers like, um, oh, and Geis actually spent like a whole summer with me, mm -hmm. like for no pay almost 40 hours a week just installing stuff in it's the underground because he was basically switching schools and had some time, kind of time in between. Yeah. Uh, we had, I had uh, Tom Baylor who was in between jobs was working for me for a while, just doing help stuff like that. So that was like, those were big helps. But then um, we also like specifically the underground was able to build speakers because of the weirdness of having a really low ceiling. And so that was like a lot of cost savings, but basically I broke it down for Michael Wells at one point that it was, about one third the cost to do it all ourselves than to just hire like an AV company to come in and do everything. Wow. Right. Like typically if you were to buy a hundred thousand dollars in gear, it would cost a hundred thousand dollars to install it. 
Okay. So it's like we were able to do all that in-house saves a lot of money initially, but also even building stuff ourselves and being very specific about it saved a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then it's all custom too, right? Like for like the exact. (laughs) Yeah. Like doing the underground because it's only a 10-foot ceiling, but like we have the yellow line, which seats like 250. That's a difficult thing to do to get even audio all throughout that. Right, right, right. But also being able to recycle gear better. Like we do a lot of upgrading something in the worship center, and then that gear gets moved down to another room, and then that gear gets moved down to like a smaller room. Yeah. So like we just recently updated wireless in the worship center, and then that went to Fellowship Hall and the chapel, and then that went to the junction and the playhouse and high school and just all kinds of different places. Yep, yep. And even this podcast gear that we're using now, you put this little system together, and it's probably (laughs) the first time, not often do you get to like be using the systems that you put together but right now you are have you ever <laughs> led worship musically or vocally on a team no <laughs> so there you go you're using the stuff here that you i yes. am realizing now that i'm on microphone that why people have bad mic technique because they get nervous and back away and don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's great it's great i love this uh passage of scripture which i think you would probably be aware of but it's in uh, exodus 31 and it says now the lord spoke to moses saying see i have called by name bezalel the son of uri the son of her of the tribe of judah i have filled him with the spirit of god in wisdom in understanding in knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship. And then it goes on to say that it's craftsmanship for, for them in gold and silver and bronze and the cutting of stones and the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And uh, it talks about how like in the hearts of all who are skillful, I, God, have put skill that they may make all that I have commanded, which is like, I don't know, that's pretty cool. I don't know how often you think about that kind of stuff being a spirit of God you know, instilled in you sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. But um, I hope that you do, because I really believe that that is how that works. What do you think about that? Uh, um, Yeah, I feel um, I feel very lucky to be able to to work at a church because it just frees up my time to be able to like to use my skills that way. Mm -hmm. Like, I think everybody has, I think on a deep, deep level that since God is a creator that makes things that mm-hmm. and we are his children that are supposed to strive to be like him that everyone in their own way like there's all kinds of different ways should be making and creating like whether that's mm. playing music or or doing woodworking or doing like painting or i don't know gardening de- or yeah gardening you know, like decorating your house to make yeah, it a writing, place yeah. to bring people yeah like writing yeah like yeah, yeah cooking yeah all whatever that. it is yeah. like every person if you're not if if someone is not creating in some way, like it, there's something missing basically. Mm. Um, and I'm just lucky enough to be able to work at a church that I get to spend all, almost all my time coming up with things to create and make and use for the church and for God. So, yeah. yeah. You've done a lot of that over the years. How many years total have you been here at Calvary? Uh, just over 12 years now. So 12 years of creating and making and all that kind of stuff. Run us through some of the, maybe the big things, the fun things. Um, I know a few VBS sets come to mind. Um, certainly some Easter art pieces, things like that. What are, what are some um, fun things that you've been able to make and create here at Calvary? Uh, some really, so the big thing that everyone always thinks of is the VBS uh, ship from High Seas Adventure. So that was a f- a fun idea that was percolated between me and some other people of just like what could we do to just really make this over the top and big and yeah and so that was really fun we basically uh, built like a wall in front of the worship center that looked like a ship and built platforms behind it and 
we were having people calling the church office asking if this was the church that had the huge ship on stage because like <laughs> some of our kids were telling their friends but when like a eight-year-old tells another eight-year-old about this huge ship then that eight-year-old tries to tell their yeah. parent they don't know what that means it's <laughs> so good but it's great evangelism but we were having yes. kids come just because their their friends were excited about it huh. so that was really fun that was a that was probably one of my first really huge projects working for Calvary that took yeah. three mm-hmm. weeks of wow. building and more than 40 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, then some really fun, just like art pieces that are really happy is like the, the cross that's actually up on stage. Yes. Like to the right when you're facing. So that was built out of scrap wood that we took down when we added the nurseries to the worship center. Uh, the side walls were these acoustic panels that was made out of three quarter inch oak. And it's like, my boss was like, we can't just like toss this. So we held on to it and thought about what we could do with it for a while. And we had always wanted uh, a cross. We had like a portable cross on stage worship center. But it was kind of mm-hmm. small, kind of in the way of getting beat up. We just wanted something nice like to put up front. So we made that. And that was quite the project. Um, that cross. One thing about our, our auditorium when we build stuff is it's really big and it's really tall. So you build something, you think it's huge, and then you stand it up on stage <laughs> and it looks dinky. And like, like I was building sets for like two years before I finally built a set that I thought was big enough yeah, um, yeah. to actually fit correctly. So that cross is 16 feet tall. I yeah. think. Wow. And weighs like a little over 400 pounds. <laughs> really? 400 pounds? It's oh my goodness. Basically six inch thick oak. Wow. So it's real heavy. We had to cut a hole in the ceiling and wrap some straps around some beams to like uh, pull it up. Jeez. So I had to like cut like a big two foot by two foot hole in the ceiling. So awesome. And then patch it afterwards and <laughs> called a bunch of guys to come early on a Saturday morning and help lift it in the place. Wow. Um, so that was really fun. And that's got symbolism in it, too, of this, like, reclaimed wood that, like, you know, this wood that was meant for the trash and then the cross. It's, like, redeemed. Yeah, it's kind of and, like a, you know, an image cool. of, like, you know, God takes a bunch of broken, seemingly useless things like us and makes the church. And, yeah. like, this is a bunch of wow. waste wood turned into, like, a beautiful piece that could have purpose and inspire people. And Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So we like to try to create as many things like that around campus as we can. The underground is full of all kinds of um, different art pieces like that. Like the um, uh, the green line down there, there's a chandelier and there's a mural of Jesus on the wall and there's uh, uh, lights that, uh, sh- light strings that um, come out from it and there's individual bulbs and there's one bulb for every book of the Bible. And it's because a lot of the theming in the underground is about the light of the world. Um, yeah. So it's just like Jesus through the Bible being expressed, coming out, reaching the... Yeah. In the stairwell, uh, too. Talk about the stairwell. Uh, So the stairwell, as you come down, there's a big uh, beam, uh, and it has all verses about Jesus as light in the Bible. So it's like, Hmm. and and God, uh, like, so the verse first is Genesis, like God creating light, and it's talking about Jesus as the light of the world. And then even the end is that the lamb would be the light for the city, and there would no longer be any need for sun or moon, and it would be light all the time. But then, so that's what you see as you go down into the underground, but on your way out, there's a beam above the door on your way out that says that we are the light of the world. Yeah. And it's basically like a commissioning as you leave. Like you've gone down and you get to learn about Christ, what he did, who he is, and now go out and be yeah. like him. And yeah. then there's like even a chandelier in there that's kind of representing that too, right? Yeah, like, chandelier is kind of, it's uh, uh, basically, it's uh, three layers and seven-sided. And it's uh, the idea is uh, God as the center of it, as the light source, and then... Uh, us as the church is the panels around it and the light shining through the panels makes like the beautiful lights all on the wall and the imagery. So it's uh, our role to shine out uh, God's presence to the rest of the world. And we should look as we should be something beautiful and desirable because of that. Yeah. So like, that's cool. Even for people like, Hey, like, 
maybe you've even been walking down in the underground like over and over and you just sort of walk by this stuff like just take a moment you know like take a pause check it out behind it yeah there's know. so much intentionality keep yeah. going because there's but, lots more i mean the whole underground was a cool thing for the communications team to work on because we just got to kind of do whatever we wanted and we have to worry about if people thought it was okay looking or not and we yeah. just be modern and do yeah crazy stuff yeah um but um because there's even that light bulb chandelier too that you created that's like a yeah <laughs> that was just a fun that started as me as just having a fun idea because it's there's actually a famous chandelier that looks like that except it's just normal light bulbs and then i wanted to make it pixel mapped so that's actually uh leds on little chipboards that i bought christmas ornaments that look like light bulbs oh that's what that is yeah so they're actually <laughs> christmas <laughs> ornaments that it's above it's, a round table in the underground yeah. in, in the main and room and there's 84 individual light bulbs because it's that's 84 years from the time calvary started till there was a dedicated youth space <laughs> i love this kind of symbolism the promised so land yes. oh my gosh it also works out to make a perfect like symmetrical like hexagon shape uh, but uh, yeah, I had to actually wow. take. They're basically ornaments that you fill or like party favors, but then they were clear, so I had to sandblast the inside to frost them, and then mounted LEDs in the middle, wow. and then put the cap on, and then all the wires run up to the top, and they're all. Gosh. It's a big mess up above, but it's all wired together, and then they're all wired in series, so you can actually control different colors going to each bulb. So and everything. cool, so cool. And then outside, we've got um, we've got the heart, right? So talk to us about the big heart that you made for Easter that year. Heart and a cross, right? We have two Yes. Yeah, those are both different Easter um, uh, illustrations. So one year was um, for Easter. Death of Life. Yeah, Death of Life. And it's like, oh my gosh. I started to freeze for a second. The hot seat, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Uh, So it's just basically... Nailed it. We just essentially wanted a big, like, that sculpture isn't as... uh, much is really specific, like the steel and symbolism, but it's just basically the heart of God. Yeah. Um, so we, it was created and used on Easter Sunday morning with our opener and the lights were all, there's like the LEDs around it are all pulsing to the, the look of it and everything. And it was just a cool piece to make. Like mm-hmm. it's mostly to, yeah. to be more uh, pretty, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the other one was for Easter and uh, that cross is made of steel full stones but the stones were all um, uh, part of a response we did in service earlier that year where mm-hmm. people essentially uh, cast off the stones as like letting go of their sins, essentially. Yep, yep. And then so we put all those into the cross. Yeah, that's And those cool. are in our patio, and you can go check them out at all times. Exactly. Yep. And even Brandon Elrod added a, a fun garden around it that symbolizes... Um, Basically, it's uh, it's a garden that expresses the story of the gospel, essentially, oh. of like Christ's perfection coming as a sacrifice, taking our sins away. Wow, like things like that. So, so cool. if you haven't gone over there, you should go check it out. That was recently added. Okay. So I would love to hear about you. I mean, you obviously oversee a ton of events and things like that. What is your involvement in the Christmas tree lighting, which has become one of my favorite events? Um, and I don't know if everybody kind of knows what goes into. Christmas at Calvary. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and, and what that means for your your job? Uh, so my job definitely over the past couple of years has become much more Christmas involved now that we are <laughs> doing a tree lighting. Yes. Um, I do share Eric's enthusiasm for Christmas and Christmas As we all should. <laughs> Children. Exactly. Um, it's the, the best way to let everyone know that you love Jesus. Um, there you go. Amen. Christmas lights all over your house. That's a wrap. Um <laughs> So uh, it is uh, November and December is a crazy month. Uh, (laughs) 
so uh, I, my responsibility is uh, heading up and putting out all the Christmas decorations that are outside on campus. So that's the, the Christmas tree that we've had out the last couple of years. I did help with the old Christmas tree that we used to have, but that was a donated tree that was not designed for outdoors and it got really windy one year and it bent. So we stopped using that wow. one. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that tree was a big, big pain because uh, it didn't have lights on it. So we'd have to wrap all the lights every year oh, and like goodness. we'd have to carry it down to the basement and that took a lot of effort. Yeah, and the time was just, so much time was spent on that thing. Yeah, yeah. It, would, it would take a full five days for like three people to decorate that tree. Right. So That's when absurd. we decided that we we're going to do the tree lighting and up or, and do more decorating outside besides that, I looked basically started Googling how malls do their Christmas decorations <laughs> um, and found a great website that is essentially, that's what they do is they sell Christmas decorations to commercial places. Wow. And so the tree that we have now, we can actually set up in a day. Um, so literally one day from unpacking it, setting it up because it is pre-lit. The ornaments are already attached. It stacks wow. really easy. Mm-hmm. It's stored in crates that are stored upstairs in our C building, but I don't have to carry it up and downstairs. It all fits in the elevator. Um, oh, wow. So that is fun. You can literally climb it and get up to the top. How um, tall is that tree that we have now? It is 24 feet tall and 11 feet wide at the base or 12 <sighs> feet wide. And then how tall is the star that you built from scratch. Uh, yes. Oh, so, yeah. Tell us about that star. So apparently uh, commercial tree toppers are very expensive. Um, <laughs> like literally over $1,000 for kind of like a bunch That's of metal crazy. rods with, LED, with like Christmas lights zip tied to it. Wow. Uh, which I didn't really like that much. So I was trying to think of a better way to do a tree topper because that was out of the budget the first year that we had that. <laughs> and uh, I thought it would be cool to have a stained glass star on top. So I Googled how do you do stained glass? Uh, <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, found a commercial stained glass warehouse over in Garden Grove and went over there and bought some big two by three foot panes of stained glass and nice. did wow. the copper foil and cut it all out and soldered it. And then uh, Dan O'Herring actually helped me weld a frame for that thing. Okay. Because um, it's supported internally by what basically looks like a three dimensional cross, like two cross beams. With LEDs wrapping it, um, and then this last year I actually had to rebuild it because I didn't do the LEDs <gasps> good enough, and it rained and they shorted out. They weren't waterproof well enough, so I had to strip all of the copper foil off of all the glass oh and rebuild goodness. it. Oh, I didn't even know. That. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, goodness, <laughs> took me a day or two. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. So it was sitting in my office for a year, waiting for me to redo it because I knew I needed to, and then <laughs> yeah. I didn't get to it until November. <laughs> until after I broke my wrist, and then I had to do it uh, uh, one-handed. Oh, uh, yes. Well, kind of one-handed. But um, yeah, yeah, so that thing is three feet tall, um, yeah. I think. So. Yeah. so that takes us. And what about lights around the campus? I know yeah. that you've... Uh, and then we have uh, 3,000 feet of strings of lights. We're going on all the eaves of the worship center and then all the buildings surrounding the courtyard. Um, and then we also have another like 5,000 mini lights to go in the bushes and the trees right around the courtyard. Mm-hmm. So essentially, we're trying to uh, invest in decorations that... Um, are high quality, will last multiple years, and then we can just basically keep adding things right. every year to fully decorate. It's also a big focus on what can be put up and taken down quickly and mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. So next year. Yeah, what are the, what's in the plan for next year? Should next we- year, we feel like our tree has gotten big enough. We made it taller this last year from the year before. Um, so we're looking at actually focusing on uh, putting lights out on Tustin Avenue. 
So that way, not oh, only nice. are people coming onto campus can enjoy it, but then that we can actually have a face for everyone that drives on Tustin Avenue to see right. Christmas decor. So yeah. we're looking at adding a nativity for in front of the chapel, and then possibly it's just some big, um, I don't know what to call them, but like trees, Christmas trees made out of lights, like just a pole with the lights coming down that we can put on our oh, front yeah. lawn in front of the gym. Yep, I so. love that. So that sounds really fun. I, I don't want to project on you, but what might be the one of your favorite things to do around here at Calvary? Christmas sounds fun, but I don't know if that's Art up there. Art projects, tech sounds, sounds, building st- stuff out or of may, wood. Yeah, or maybe what gives you the most sense of accomplishment after you're done with it? Um, so... Uh, um, I'm definitely a person that likes doing new things. So whenever I learn a new skill, that's usually when I'm having the most fun. Hmm. So like the steel heart, I learned how to weld for that. Um, so I had a lot of fun welding because I never welded before. Yeah. And of course, I don't know how to weld. So why not build a five foot tall heart <laughs> out of like yeah. 40 pieces of With steel tubing? And and like, yeah. <laughs> Stained glass. And... <laughs> yeah. It's so and good. It's, it's okay. It's not, um, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's not going to fall apart, but it's not the most beautiful welds. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so I really enjoy learning something new is a lot of my favorite things. I really enjoy Christmas. Uh, it's also really hard cause we both like, I go home every Thanksgiving. My wife's family is from a different state. So we, when we were dating, I basically had to make the deal. I was like, I work at a church. We're never going to your parents' house for Christmas because we're always going to be uh-huh. at church on Christmas. Uh-huh. Yeah. So every Thanksgiving, we go and we have uh, Thanksmas and we do Thanksgiving and then Christmas right afterwards and celebrate <laughs> nice. with her. And so we give her nieces and nephews presents and all that. But so then all through the November, I'm trying to decorate for Christmas before we leave because once we get back, besides the tree lighting ceremony, Calvary has many other Christmas events, but also we rent out our room a lot we usually have mm-hmm. like four or five major events in the worship center um mm-hmm. through december. december yeah it's all in the first two weeks everyone wants all their stuff the first two weeks so the two weeks leading up to christmas there's nothing um but yeah, yeah. so it's a it's i both love christmas but sometimes it's also the most stressful time right vbs is another example of something that i love but also is stressful yeah um so it's just it's really great it's awesome having a thousand kids uh, screaming in the worship center and Learning about Jesus and making yeah. friends and having great influences, uh, but it's also a lot of different things going on. Exactly. So. And we didn't even we haven't even talked about you doing video work and all that kind of stuff for oh the drone God. shots that you've gotten, of like like the one that maybe they saw at my house or you know certain things like that of my lights. Yeah. And so so video so. is something that I learned a lot about uh, at um, at Calvary. Uh, in fact, I, my first video shoot was High Seas Adventure too. So my first VBS set build was also my first VBS that I filmed for. Okay. And I got to go to Bermuda because oh, we right. lucked out on basically a, a free trip to Bermuda to film. That's right. Um, and I actually did audio the whole time, but I got to watch Nathan Piercy, son-in-law of Ron Rogowski, wow. who is head yeah. of video for Hume Lake. Yeah, he's, a, he's okay, I guess. <laughs> and, yeah. they, and this is even a great example of just people People in my life that taught me things. He taught me a lot of the basics of how to frame uh, video and <laughs> how to work a camera and focal lengths and things like that. Um, and then even uh, I learned a lot from Brian Anderson, a guy mm-hmm. that grew up at Calvary that is very skilled in video and filming. And so now I get to not be in charge of, but handle a lot of the technical side and sometimes film, sometimes not, our VBS story videos every year. Right. And actually even tonight, the night that yes. we're recording this, we are doing our first script read through. Yes. Which is always ridiculous to sit with a bunch of adults <laughs> making silly voices <laughs> as we read through a bunch of lines. Yes, I will be there. I'm a detective. 
I'm looking nice. forward to it. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, so Ryan, like how can people then, if people, you know, if people enjoy uh, and have some sense of, of skill, but don't have to be crazy experts, but have some sense of skill. And some of these things you're talking about, whether that's woodworking, whether that's welding, whether that's sound, you know, video, whatever, like all of these sorts of different things that you do, which is a little bit of everything. But, you know, how could people get involved? Like what, what kind of stuff would you even appreciate help from people in? Uh, one of the easiest ways to get involved is we need texts on Sunday mornings. Um, and you don't even have to be particularly, you don't have to have any real prior knowledge. You do have to be okay with technology. Like if you can use a computer, you can help on Sunday mornings. Yep. The by far the most important quality in a tech volunteer and any tech in general is just reliability. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter yeah. how good you are at it. If you're not there, it's not very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and our team has a, a wide range of people. We have, um, uh, we have Johnny Sawada, who's former elder of Calvary, is uh, one of our regulars, has been doing it for a very long time. Sean Dawson and Roger Stone are just dads in the church that yep. are like have their kids and their family, but they manage to make time for us on Sunday mornings. We have uh, uh, Liz Kabe Umaru, or Umar, yeah, yeah. Umaru, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, sorry, uh, who is I think in middle school, yeah, I think she's yeah. 13 or 14, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah so she she popped up about couple months ago and she's been super awesome she's one of our slides people uh we have a high schooler doing lighting Haley figueroa and we have like a 20 something young guy jordan ball yep. who's the grandson of chuck ball mm-hmm. uh, who's been very involved in our lighting and all our uh complex light programming for our last two christmases yeah. um so he's he's been great um right. so we we take almost anybody as long as you are up for it and want to do it um yep. and we will teach you uh, and so that, that's uh, Sunday morning tech. Um, we haven't been doing a ton of set builds recently, but we are looking at getting back more into it. Essentially, my time remodeling rooms meant I didn't have time to do set builds. Yeah. But now that and we have the has, giant screen, and so some of that like that. Giant yeah, we kind of changed our stage yeah. setup, but yeah. some t- we want to get more into it. Yeah. So I'll be starting that up again, and that's. Again, like if you have woodworking or just general construction skills, that's useful. But yep. um, essentially, if you want to help with stuff, just come talk to me. Cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, Ryan's always in the back, or you can email him um, as well. At, uh, and also, if you have sound complaints, we'd love for you to email him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bypass the card. Uh, yes, so R-R-O-E-H-L at calvarylife.org. Ryan Rail at calvarylife, just R-Rail at calvarylife.org. So... Um, yeah, I'd love for you to, to reach out in that way. Um, you can even fill out the card on a Sunday morning and check, like help with tech stuff, I think is on there somehow. Yeah. And yeah, on the, there also just, we have a uh, little sheets back at the tech booth that you can fill out or just meet one of like either me or Trevor, just find one of us who actually, another thing that we're also really looking forward to leaning now is uh, camera operators actually. Oh yeah, that's true. We are looking mm. at. My big project right now is uh, setting up two new cameras for Sunday mornings. That way, it is we can see who's speaking um, better. Um, we we do a thing called iMac, which is when you have a camera and you put that live video on screen. And iMac stands for image magnification. And the whole idea is that in a room our size, it can be difficult to see a person's expressions. And by putting it on camera, you can connect better with who's talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are adding a getting a new camera, so better visual quality and better lensing so that we can get closer, but then adding a second camera so we can have more dynamic video or when we have like interviews with two people on stage, we can cut back and forth. Right. But by having a second camera, that means we need a second camera operator. So yes. we have two guys right now, but we are looking to add 
Uh, two more probably. And yeah. Anybody who's teachable, right? Like anybody. Yeah, camera can do it. camera operation is not that difficult. A steady um, hand, maybe. A steady <laughs> hand and able to to pay attention for an hour and fifteen minutes. That's yeah. really all you need. Especially through my sermons, so you can't fall asleep. Especially through Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Although I stay in the frame probably more than other people do. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but for the most part you're basically just you're just pointing essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. That would be great. We'd love that. So yeah. Awesome. So Ryan, we just uh, love the way that you use the gifts that God has given you, the talents he's given you, the mind that he's given you to seek out the knowledge, to do the things that you do. And um, we're, we're blessed uh, to have you as part of this team. So thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Cool. Right. Thanks. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah. We'll All right. See you. And thanks for listening to the Calvary Life Podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life. 